0: Hello, welcome to today's Vaccine Education Roundtable Series. Today, we'll be addressing a very important topic around maternal health equity and COVID-19. My name is Dr. Mati Tlachwayo Davis. I'm the Director of Health for the City of St. Louis. I'm also an Associate Editor for the COVID Health Equity Resources for the Real-Time Learning Network. I'd like to introduce today our guest, Dr. Tina Tan. She is a professor of pediatrics at the Feinberg School of Medicine at Northwestern University, a pediatric infectious diseases physician and medical director at the International Patient Services Program at Ann and Robert H. Lurie Children's Hospital of Chicago. She is also the chair of IDSA's Inclusion, Diversity, Access, and Equity Committee. Welcome, Dr. Tan. Thank you so much. I was so excited to have an opportunity to talk to you about this because I think we all know where we were when the news broke around the Supreme Court ruling regarding Roe v. Wade and the implications it has for all facets of our society, particularly for women and those who identify as women moving forward. And so I wanted to start by posing a question to you. In your mind, Is there a difference in maternal mortality between minoritized women and Caucasian women in the U.S.? Starting there is an important place for us to really understand why this is such a significant issue.
1: That's a great question. And the answer is yes, there is a difference in the mortality between women that are minoritized and in disadvantaged population groups compared to many of the Caucasian population groups. And the Roe versus Wade decision was done without taking into account the impact that that would have on minoritized women. Right. And it was important for me to ask that
0: obvious question to most of us, but to really sort of set the scene for what the discussion today, because we know that prior to COVID 19, those statistics were already deplorable. We're talking anywhere from Black and brown women being three to four times more likely to die at childbirth than their white counterparts. And that is just one example of some very significant statistics. So what impact has COVID-19 had on those already
1: concerning statistics? Well, COVID-19 really brought out the fact that there were major health disparities in those populations that were lower socioeconomic class or that were desperate compared to the more affluent Caucasian population. We saw that with regards to the number of individuals in the black and brown community, as well as even the Asian community that got COVID-19 with a lack of access to testing and a lack of access to medical facilities, that could take care of them. And this definitely resulted in increased morbidity and mortality occurring in those populations during the COVID-19 pandemic.
0: It's just staggering, honestly, because it's put us so far behind where we already were. And I would say in, in already a critical place in this area around maternal mortality And now this intersection with COVID-19. And so many of our colleagues take care of these women every day, right? And we need to remember that when we take care of these folks, this is not a siloed issue. You know, you could be seeing someone for any number of infectious diseases issues, but when you're taking care of women or people who identify as women, knowing what impact this has had on them and more than just around the sphere of pregnancy, childbearing is significant. And I think we need to be considering adding this very serious issue to the long list of structural determinants of health. What do you think?
1: I completely agree with that. When people think about Roe versus Wade, all they think about is abortion. And that is so far from the truth. I actually have a niece that worked at Planned Parenthood prior to going to medical school. And she was telling me all the great services that Planned Parenthood provided outside of abortions. Abortions made up a minority of what the services that they provided. They provided not only contraceptive services as well as sexual health counseling, they provided primary care to a very large number of individuals who otherwise would not be able to access medical care in the community that they lived. With the decision that was made with Roe versus Wade, these individuals are going to, again, not be able to access the care that they deserve the Planned Parenthood provided. I'm so glad you went there
0: next because that's exactly the issue here. The lack of understanding about how far-reaching the implications of this have, while abortion is critical, is reason enough on its own, there are many more far-reaching implications especially in states, and I unfortunately live in a state in Missouri where litigation and and policy went out immediately, almost immediately, the first state in the United States to prevent those types of services, abortion services being made available. But the downstream impact, I mean, even in, in, in academic hospitals, in healthcare facilities, the fear that healthcare providers have, the pause that they have that can have significant and serious impacts on the lives of women coming in from very serious conditions because of fear of litigation and even losing their licenses is horrific, is a horrific reality in 2022.
1: You know, it even goes further than that because yeah. it's not just the women, it's the children that they have, it's That's right. the relatives that they have. I That's mean, right. it really is very, very far reaching and encompassing. And for individuals to be very, very short sighted and say, oh, good, this has been overturned because we're banning abortion is just so small minded. You know, I think people need to think on a broader scale because abortion is the minority of what this represents. Absolutely. And
0: again, the onus is on is not on the public there. Right. Where were elected officials? Where were. Healthcare providers, policy writers in the education space. You know, I I empathize with activists who are saying, while we appreciate the level of allyship and support, it was needed prior to this to prepare people to understand what their vote meant and how it counted. There is a significant fight ahead, but I do believe in being proactive moving forward. It's really making people understand the significance and how far reaching the impact of their vote is. And because, again, for the purposes of this discussion today, it needs to be said, what impact, if any, do you believe that this Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade has had and will have specifically on
1: minoritized women? I mean, the impacts are already being seen. For example, abortion. The example that's always put out there is the 10-year-old who was raped, became pregnant, and had to go to a different state To try and get an abortion because the state that they lived in would not legally allow that to be done. And because many of the physicians sort of felt like, you know, they didn't want to be sued and they didn't want to have all these legal issues, this child had to go, this child, and I'm basically emphasizing that, had Mm -hmm. to go somewhere else to get a service that should have been provided for her where she was living. It's not just abortion, but it's everything else that kind of goes along with this. We need these individuals not only to provide medical care for abortion, but also to provide primary care and education and counseling regarding other health issues that people that are in minoritized communities may not have access to readily. And this is something that is extremely important. Because education will go a very long way in these populations to really have an understanding of the need for medical access in order for that person to live the best life that they can. We already see that many of these populations don't have access to routine medical care. That snowballs in itself. And, you know, with COVID circulating out there, that has really made it much, much worse because it can have a serious impact, not only on that person, but also in the the family structures that they live in, since many of these individuals live in multi-generational households. So if somebody comes down with COVID or some other illness, it's going to spread readily through that household.
0: And the generational impact that that has, not just now not just within the lifespan of that person, but also generationally, is devastating and is really the crux of why research, advocacy, policy, and funding around disparities for minoritized communities is so important, knowing what we know about how much more exacerbated this has become during COVID-19. So Dr. Tan, you know, I'll end with asking you this question. How can our infectious diseases colleagues and other physicians, healthcare providers, pharmacists advocate for women and minoritized women at this time, especially considering most regions in the U.S. are
1: still currently in a COVID-19 surge? We need to advocate for better access to medical care, access to testing, access to vaccines, access to primary care, Because we know or we see in practice that individuals who they themselves may not get primary care, their kids are not going to get primary care. As a pediatric infectious disease person, I definitely see the downstream effects of those kids not getting primary care and presenting with infections that easily could have been treated as an outpatient, if they had presented earlier, now presenting in an extremists and needing to be in an ICU setting because they didn't receive the care they needed early on. So I think as ID physicians, we really need to advocate for our patients so that they do have better access to medical care, medical testing, and evaluation so that we can prevent not only what happens in the adults, but the downstream effects that happen in the kids. That's exactly right.
0: And, you know, with that in mind, I call upon our infectious diseases colleagues right now, utilize your role wherever it may be. If you are a trainee, talk to your program directors about areas that you're seeing in your clinical and research practices that you can do quality improvement or policy change. If you are on faculty, you should be speaking to division and department heads around areas, again, where you see consistent structural components that are going to negatively impact minoritized women especially, but women in general in this regard. Those of us with even higher positions, and that myself included as a director of a major health department in a state for which this is even more significant, we should be reaching out to elected officials, our mayor's offices, our state representatives. There is information online about where you can write, where you can call regarding these measures. I call upon IDSA board to be thoughtful about what our statement is and what some tangible efforts we can do to support minoritized women in our infectious diseases circle moving forward. There are things that we can do. We have been put in privileged positions to do the work that we are so lucky to do day in and day out. And so my hope is that we can, as a collective, really make an impact. Dr. Tan, I thank you for the impact you chose to make, making yourself available for this discussion that will be made widely available throughout our society and communities in general. Thank you so much. Do you have any closing thoughts around this before we go?
1: No, I think this is an incredibly important topic that. ID physicians need to sit down and think about because the pandemic really laid bare the major discrepancies that are being seen and the differences in certain populations' ability to care for themselves and their families. And I completely agree with you that we should use whatever leverage we have to really advocate for improvement in access to medical care, especially for minoritized women, given that the downstream effects are so great if these women are not getting the care that they need.
0: Yes. Please also make sure that your social workers, nurses, and nurse managers have available resources lists for clinics for employees around where they can go, understanding what their rights still are, and understanding where they can go for resources. Thank you so much, Dr. Tan. It was a pleasure having this discussion with you today.
1: Same here. Thank you very much for the invitation to speak with you. The views and opinions expressed here are those
0: of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Involvement of CDC should not be viewed as endorsement of any entity or individual involved with the podcast.